Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's dog shit, Braden. That is correct. Everything I did yesterday was dog shit. Oh, let's talk about it. What is going on, everybody? Holy crap. Top of the morning to you here from the West Coast. It's NBA Strategy Show presented by Prize Picks. I'm Eric Lindquist here. Hit that like button because I am up early for you. Putting in the work on a two-game, yeah, two-game NBA slate here during the holiday season, December 22nd. Uh, the like button goes a long way. The subscribe button goes a long way for you. You want to be a prize whenever great stuff is going live here at Stochastic, and that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, I've not done a show with my guy, Adam, and I know he's been looking forward to this because, you know, I'm always on. I wake up, I piss excellence for something like that. More of like I piss Red Bull because I'm just happy and ready to rock. I got my coffee. I'm set. And I got my buddy, Adam, shit my money share. Uh, go follow him at shit my money DFS over on Twitter. How you doing, my dude? Long time no see. Yeah. Uh, so honestly, I've been a little under the weather this week, but you know, didn't want to use any sick days with you know, Josh being out and us being shorthanded and everything. If I had looked ahead and realized we were doing this show, I would have just fired up those sick days so I didn't have to do this shit. Fire it up, baby. You missed me. Stop it. Don't don't act like you didn't. In, you enjoy me as a person. You like me. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. I like your friends. It's pretty funny. It's <laughs> good. They're hot. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's Michael, Brad, they're all very hot. <laughs> I like you. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's an enjoyable. Shout out Cam. Cam, he's good people. He's gorgeous, man. But uh, anyway, looking forward to uh, this two-gamer talking through it. There's actually some news, some things that we can talk about. This isn't a very stale two-gamer. I think I'll actually be playing it. So uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the NFL showdown slate. There's no lack of DFS options today. Make sure you're signed up at Stochastic Kicking Advantage. We have like the three free days offers. We have BetMGM offers for you guys to get in the door. And then we'll be talking a little bit of prize picks where I play a lot at uh, out here in California. It is my main place where I get all of my prop exposure. But let's talk about last night because we have the time and we need to fill 51 minutes here coming up. So what the hell happened last night? I went to the Clippers game. I went to the LaMelo Ball show. Uh, it was wild to see as many people from Chino Hills cheering for LaMelo Ball when they're down 35. <laughs> and Kelly Oubre going like this. Or oh, hang on, he's left-handed. Going like this when he's knocking down threes, down 40. It was like, what is going on here? Why are they playing him in the fourth quarter during this entire run? He goes for 60-plus, and I have none anywhere. Yeah, so... Uh, I didn't have 
I don't think I had him on the main slate, but it didn't matter because I played a lot of Brooklyn, so I was dead anyway. But um, or Brooklyn Golden State game, um, so I was dead anyway. But uh, on the night slate, I had played more De'Aaron Fox than Lamelo, and I had a lot of Teo Maladon as value. So come like Maladon subs in, you know, with like three minutes to go in the third racks up like three steals, two assists. I'm like, cool, I might get the whole fourth quarter from him too. This is like a 25-point game. And then they just sub Lamelo right back in for him. I'm like, yep. <laughs> what, are, what, what are we doing? And he ends up going for 63. I finished ninth on the night slate, still lost a little bit of money there. But uh, yeah, didn't have nearly enough Lamelo for that. So it was wild. Uh, so my father-in-law, the the tickets through that we get from his work, it's like right behind the the Charlotte yeah, bench. So I, I've like seen your Instagram. First, first row. Um, you can see us on TV like the entire time because it's me and a bunch of blonde girls hanging out. Life is good, you know. Marry one if you can. Like I said, I, like I, your I recommend friends. it. <laughs> as long as it's not my wife. But you know, either way. <laughs> uh, so we're like right behind the bench there, and we're sitting next to this lady with the biggest breasts you have ever seen in your entire life, feeding her baby uh, and whatever else. And then she's like, "All right, I'm done with this." She gets done and starts slamming tequila. Her and her husband are from Chino Hills, and they're like, this is the very first time that we have been able to go out forever. They were neighbors um, of, of LaMelo Ball growing up, and then, you know, like Chino Hills area, that's where he went to high school, yada, yada, yada. But either way, she gets blasted, starts socializing with everybody down there and whatever else, and LaMelo's like pointing to him. Like, he, he knows that everybody in the crowd is for him. I... It made me question, am I doing this wrong? Are hometown narratives an actual thing that you should be paying attention to? Because there was no reason for him to be in. They were down, well, they ended up making it a 14-point game. But, like, why did he play the first rotation down 28? I mean, the fourth. so, as far as narratives go, I, I hate the, like, oh, it's his homecoming, he's going to play well. Like, he's not going to play better. But... You can, and you can't, like, you can't actually project anything for it. I will at least, like, entertain the thought of, like, when a situation's like, oh, well, if, like, he's just going to play, they're going to give him more run or whatever. You know, like, the, to me, that's more, that's similar to, like, when uh, Quinn Snyder was coaching yeah, Utah, Utah. And it was just like, they can be up by 30 if it's a home game. He's going to leave his guys in because he rewards the fans that way. Um, so to me, that's kind of similar where, you know, not that I would ever have said like, oh, I feel more confident in Mel's minutes because he's playing in LA. But at least like those kind of narratives make some sense. The so-and-so is going to his hometown. He's going to shoot 80% is just stupid, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the breast part was for myself. That didn't matter to the story whatsoever. It was lovely. And she was a really chill chick and having some fun on her like one night out and forever. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you have like a newborn, I suppose. Don't even want to think about those things. But <laughs> shout out Chino Hills because they showed up in a big way. Every shot LaMelo put up down a billion. They were still going nuts. They were cheering it. They were going nuts. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have had a 0% chance of winning this basketball game since about the six minute mark of the first quarter. Yeah, uh, that game was out of hand very, very quickly. Yeah, but it was enjoyable to go to. Uh, ha uh, it was Jewish night. Hey, Adam. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Did you see that the game guy or playing different... ball. Did you see that? No. I... You made 500 bucks playing ball basketball? It was incredible. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, with no, his, actually, I didn't, I didn't see that game. It was a different game last night that I was uh, watching, and they went to, like, the menorah lighting ceremony at halftime. And I tweeted about it. It was like, the only thing I thought this week watching this is, like, every rabbi is so bad at singing <laughs> 
And like the one I had growing up actually had a pretty solid voice. I didn't realize how lucky I was until I started watching these NBA halftime shows. Oh, yeah, that that would make I, I feel like that's a recruiting tool in religion. Like if you have really good music at your at your place of worship, regardless yeah. of what it is, like good music will keep you around. Bad music will send you to the to the absolute gallows. You just want to get out of there. Yeah, the only like favorable memory of religion I have is that like my rabbi and our I don't even know what she was called, but like they could sing. And it was like, all right, well, that's at least like enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Also enjoyable. Tyler Zander and not Jordan Klein. They're producing always, always a welcome sight, uh, especially at 714 a.m. Because I'd be getting, bro, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I can't <laughs> even. I'm so tired, dude, bro. Chill. It's fine. That's how it works. But either way, hit the like button. I think we've adequately talked about yesterday because I don't want to talk about faults. I don't want to talk about. Kevin Durant, they scored 91 points in a half of basketball. I don't think I've, I don't know the last time I saw 80 points in a half of basketball, let alone 91. It's absurd. Are you going to, are you going to get, you're going to Google that. You're helpful. Oh, I no. Okay, good talk. Let's get to it, shall we? I know you guys are here to talk things and I kind of enjoy being here because live before lock, there's a lot of pressure to constant, constantly be analyzing. I'll be on that later with Greg tonight, per usual, but filling in here for Josh, uh, you know, luckily, luckily enough for Adam. Adam's so very lucky to see me today. That's for sure. We start with San Antonio and New Orleans. You're looking at an eight and a half point spread, 227 and a half total here in this one. And the massive news <clears throat> just has to be thrown out from the onset. You've had Brandon Ingram out for a while, and now you have Zion Williamson out too. I think that makes this game at least a little bit more competitive. You have Jakob Pertl, who's been back into the fray for two games here on the San Antonio side. Just 21 and 22 minutes, but that Houston game, I'm not sure what to make of it. He ran into some foul trouble. They ended up having a blowout. They knocked Houston out, just the doors off of Houston, actually. Uh, two bad basketball teams, that'll happen from time to time, but... I'm not sure what those minutes could look like. We'll talk about him here in a second. But uh, starting with the San Antonio side, Keldon Johnson, doubtful. That makes a lot of guys very, very interesting, including Devin Vassell, probably the only competent offensive player besides Pirtle here. What stands out to you from San Antonio? Uh, yeah, the Keldon Johnson news is big because that does open up production for Devin Vassell as well as for um, Trey Jones gets a little bit of a bump without Johnson on the floor as well. So both of those guys are, are going to look better here. Certainly a pretty good matchup. $7,400 price tag on Vassell, $6,500 on Trey Jones. Those both look reasonable. Without Johnson on the floor this year, 1.21 DraftKings points per minute in 282 minutes for Vassell. 26% usage rate, 17% assist percentage. Both of those look pretty good. Trey Jones at 1.15 DraftKings points per minute, 22.5% usage rate, and a 35% assist percentage. So both of those numbers look good as well. Outside of that, um, you know, it's tough to trust a lot of anything else here. You do have Josh Richardson back, so he's going to soak up, you know, 22, 24 minutes, something like that. Uh, but Jakob Pertl is also a good point-per-minute guy. Like you said, though, the question is just how many minutes is he going to play? We saw him limited to about 20 in his first game back from the injury. It's more difficult to read into what happened last game, though, because, uh, like you said, maybe a little bit of foul trouble, although he did pick up his second foul in the first half. Uh, he picked it up with he picked up 20 seconds into the second quarter. He didn't sub out until the six minute and 37 second mark. So I don't think that was related. I think it had I think it was more they were going to play like 24 minutes of portal, 24 minutes of Collins. Yeah. If you get 24 minutes a piece here, then 
it creates a situation where they both look okay, but Zach Collins would actually be the more appealing one to me at 4,900. But I think there's a decent chance that you get like a 26-22 split or something like that, in which case they still both look okay, but Pirtle would start to look like the better of the two options. Yeah, what's really interesting about this two-game slate is there's really only two power forward slash centers on DraftKings that are in play, Jared Vanderbilt, and then if Larry Nance plays, uh, Kelly Linux out. So everybody's like true center. So you're kind of looking at the position as a whole. Kristaps Porzingis is questionable coming in, uh, still sicky. They play on a back-to-back. Everybody's playing basketball on Friday. Really, really excited to be breaking that one down, you know, before Christmas Eve. That is going to be a wild Friday slate. Uh, but Kristaps Porzingis, if he's sick, does he play on both legs of this back-to-back? They go to Sacramento tomorrow. It's going to be intriguing. But Kristaps Porzingis pulling right now 32%. If he doesn't play, and we should know all of this news, I would think, at lock, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific time, you have an hour until the Washington-Utah game. I think Jakob Pertl is going to become more popular, and trying to guess what those minutes are, just it becomes more important to figure out exactly what you want to do. But, like, I would want to play Jakob Pertl more than 36% right now, but if he starts going to that 50% range, which is more than viable on a slate like this, maybe we do start hitting eject. Yeah, I like I, I think forty nine hundred dollar Collins. If you're going to get a three to one or yeah, even bigger ownership discount, becomes really interesting because even if like let, let's say that the plan is to do something like twenty six twenty two and it goes according to plan, Zach Collins can still be good in twenty two minutes. But if you get foul trouble or blowout or anything weird happens. Zach Collins is going to smash at 4,900 if he gets the minutes. So um, I don't know. I think the ownership gap right now is just really interesting in that it seems like it favors Pirtle a little bit more than it probably should. Yeah, I, I'm probably with you. I, I get why it's there, 6,400. And I'm probably on the side of thinking that he gets around 25, 26 minutes minimum here. Uh, if it's a competitive basketball game, maybe 28. Maybe he's capable of that. And that's going to make him project really, really good at 1.2 fantasy point per minute guy. Uh, in terms of EPM on dunks and threes, he's just a good, good basketball player. He's routinely been, you know, a 90th percentile type basketball player in the NBA. So I've I've always liked him coming from Toronto to San Antonio. He's about one of three competent basketball players on that team. I'll put Trey Jones in there. Three and a half. We'll call it three and a half. So I uh, wanted to actually start talking about him because the Devin Vassell situation, he is offensively the only piece that they really have, but now he's up to 7,400 over on DK over on FanDuel 7k. He's far more popular there. 58% ownership going a little bit over owned, but I have no problem on a two gamer making him a stand over on FanDuel. What do you think about him? Even on DK at 7,400. I like him on both um, shooting guard, small forward on DraftKings as well. So you get a lot of flexibility there. He should play 32 to 34 minutes. If this game's competitive uh, last game, you got, 29 minutes from him. He lost about four minutes to to garbage time there. But the offense really should run through him. I mentioned it before, but 1.2 DraftKings points per minute without Kelvin Johnson on the floor. So uh, I I still like getting to Devin Vassell at this price tag. I think the ownership is warranted. All right. Well, we've covered both of the centers there. Pirtle, Collins, I'm completely on board. If Pirtle starts pulling more ownership because people have money to spend and you lose a spend-up option in Porzingis, I think it's very viable to go to Zach Collins and and kind of make that flip. But I want to ask about Jeremy Sokan, because this guy out of Baylor, defensive stalwart for the most part, coming off the bench now, it's been sporadic what these minutes have been. 18-21, played well against Houston, but also I think got a little extra blowout run at 3,600 here. Um, 
I'm not sure what to do because you see that it's pretty jarring to see 3,600 for him and then no ownership. I'm having a tough time figuring out what I want to do with him this morning. Uh, coming into the slate tonight, we have so much information. I mean, we're what 10, almost 10 hours away or less than 10 hours away now, uh, between now and lock. But like, I feel like I would want to be pulling the trigger on it. I just don't know if it's necessary with all of the Pelicans value that we have, uh, or necessary with what could be existing in Washington. How do you feel about him at 3,600 on DK? I think it's cheap enough to roll the dice on. I am curious to see if he continues to come off the bench or not. Um, because remember, we did see Devin Vassell play several games off the bench when he first came back from injury. Um, at some point, maybe you see Sohan get back into the starting lineup. But if he's coming off the bench, obviously that's a little bit riskier for his minutes. Um, he's been a 0.75 fantasy point per minute guy without Keldon Johnson on the floor this year. So at 3,600, you know, if there is a path to him getting 24 minutes, that's going to look fine. One thing that stands out to me right now, though, is that Ketabates Diop for $400 more is actually getting a little bit less ownership at 6% on DraftKings. I expect Ketabates Diop to start in place of Keldon Johnson. He's also been a 0.75 fantasy point per minute guy without Keldon Johnson on the floor this year. So if you get that situation where Sohan's coming off the bench and Ketabates Diop is starting and they're similarly owned, I would go to Ketabates Diop first because I think he's just going to project for more minutes and they're similar point per minute guys. If they're both starting, then you know I think they're more comparable and I would probably just be using both as value options. I like that. Any other option that might be existing here? Are we on a two-game slate trying to make Doug McDermott shout out Ames, Iowa a thing? Are we trying to make uh malachi branham who i didn't know who it was when he checked into the basketball game last time uh and i do this for a living so that's a problem uh anything else that stands out to you from these ancillary san antonio spurs options not particularly i mean we got the start from romeo langford last time uh if sohan doesn't return to the starting lineup i assume you'll see that again uh but 3500 not a good point per minute guy still didn't play a ton of minutes richardson's back i expect him to play 22 minutes or so off the bench that's not going to be too exciting McDermott, I mean, if you want to, like, it, it's, can he get hot off the bench? Sure. But right now he's getting 2% ownership. If Bates, Diop, and Sohan are going to pull six and seven, then I'm just going to go to those guys before I get to McDermott. Um, I don't plan on trying to get to Malachi Branham. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the guys we'd already talked about are pretty much where I'm at. I feel like I could recognize 99.9% .9 of NBA players on the street. I would not recognize Malachi Branham if he was on my lap. Did so, so do you mean you didn't recognize him or you didn't know like who he was? Both. I was like, because one of those is obviously way worse than the other. Like, I have yeah. no idea what he looks like, but I do know that he's been playing minutes for the Spurs for a while. Well, I mean, I know that I've plugged him in like, so I have a thing that like automates it. And then, you know, when you're on live before lock, sometimes you're so anybody who's not pulling like more than 15 minutes, I basically just am Xing out just for right. sake of being able to sort my lineups quicker and make sure that I don't, you know, if I have a minimum of you know, 15 sitting in cruncher on like a after like a like a, a late night slate or something as I'm shifting stuff over, um, you know, from from my own stuff from the main slate after the show to doing the other stuff. It sounds complicated. It's really not as complicated as I'm making it sound. It's just a dude that doesn't ever show up in lineups for me. And then usually when I'm kind of automating the minutes, I I just haven't seen the name in a while because it seems like the Spurs other than lastly, I mean, Devin Vassell, I had so much of um, against Houston. As soon as Keldon Johnson was ruled out, I felt like he would be under He's like 10% and that worked out very, very nicely. But uh, yeah, just completely forgot Malachi Branham was a person. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No yeah, that's fair. Shout out to his family. I love you guys. But uh, before we jump over to the Pelican side, I might as well just do this. Bet MGM. You guys want to sign up for it. We're 25 minutes into the show. The best way that you can treat us nicely is hitting the like button and signing up for cool stuff when we have these offers. And then the second best thing you can do is get free stuff for Christmas, like this BetMGM risk-free promotion. You're getting two free months of Stochastic Platinum. That's ridiculous. And here's kind of what's going on with this BetMGM offer. There's a lot of different things to it, but it's not that complicated. Maybe 90 seconds to sign up and do everything. If you're in a legal betting state, like Adam just showed up in here in Maryland, yay for him. Boo, California. You guys have an opportunity to sign up in the video description box below. Click on that link. Go to BetMGM, which is a great sports book. You, you want to be signed up at all the sports books and taking advantage of all these promos. You're going to bet $10 or more on anything that exists on planet Earth. Don't do a futures because the bet has to settle before you get the free stuff. But you deposit $10 or more, you're going to get a risk-free bet. That means that anything that you bet, period, it is risk-free. You can't lose it. If you win the bet, you get the money and the profit from it. If you lose that bet, it comes back to you in BetMGM dollars. That's amazing. But then you're also getting a $25 free bet. So cool again. And then you also get those two free months of Stochastic Platinum. So you're watching a DFS show. I'm assuming you want the best tools and content in the industry. And that is here at Stochastic, where we have the lineup generator, which is just bonkers good right now. We're doing so many nuanced things behind the scenes with Sky, some of the data team. You want to be signed up for all of these great offers because two free months gets you all the way through the Super Bowl. And I know this is an NBA show, but I'm assuming a lot of you are playing NFL showdown, NFL playoffs, uh, weeks 16, 17, 18. Like these are wild, wild NFL weeks. You're going to want to have the best tools and content in the DFS space. That is here at Stochastic. So you're going to get all of that from BetMGM. The easiest way I can explain this, you bet $25. That is going to be risk-free. So if that loses, you get another $25. If that loses, well, guess what? You still have that $25 free bet. That's three bets for the price of one. Check it out, sign up at BetMGM, and make sure you sign up and, and get those two free months. That is good stuff for the Christmas time. All right, you. let's go to the Pelican side, the main event. A lot of guys projecting out well. Let's start at the top. CJ McCollum's 80% owned right now. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you were going like, to follow that up with something. But I was not. Yeah. Um, Here's the yeah, like He hasn't been very good this year by compared to what he did last year, but still going to get tons and tons of opportunities here without Ingram, without Zion. Uh, he's averaged still. So like, here's the thing. He's played 253 minutes without <laughs> Zion and Ingram this year. He has a 28.8% usage rate. He has a 29.9% assist percentage. When you mentioned those rates, 
at 7,500 playing 36 minutes, it suggests he should be like 80% owned. The issue is he's averaged one fantasy point per minute because yeah. he kind of sucks. So Ooh. that's kind of the Does problem he? here. Does he like, suck? What? You think CJ McCollum just sucks? I think he's not very good, yes. At least, like, to date so far this year. Gotcha. I, I thought gotcha. he was okay. I thought he was looking pretty washed in Portland. Then he came to the Pels and, like, found the fountain of youth and became really good for the rest of the year. I mean, and my big problem with he's... him is he just couldn't guard you or me. Like, that's, that's always been the CJ McCollum story. It's like, I don't want him in the playoffs out there guarding anyone. Yeah, but, like, he's just been inefficient this year, too. Yeah. Um, but it, it kind of – it just becomes a really tricky spot when you factor in the ownership because – on the one hand, he's averaging 1.03 DraftKings points per minute without Ingram and Zion on 43.9% true shooting. Like, you cannot get worse than that, and he's still averaging a fantasy point per minute. If he does anything remotely close to normal, you're talking about, you know, 1.2, 1.25 fantasy points per minute probably. But also, he's going to be the primary focus for the defense now, and I do think he's lost a step. I don't think he's very good, and you could just see that inefficiency continue. So uh, he, long story short, like he's a really good play. Obviously he's getting 80% ownership for a reason. Uh, I think the floor basically is a fantasy point per minute. I think he's basically been playing to his floor um, in, in those minutes so far this year. So a uh, really, really good play. It's just always difficult to account. I, I think one of the most difficult things when you talk about projections in NBA is kind of accounting for exactly how much of an efficiency loss you're going to get when you become the primary yeah. guy. Um, because, you know, if you just plug in CJ McCollum's normal rate, normal efficiency and say, oh, he's going to have, you know, a 30% usage rate, you're going to get a massive projection. But without Zion to, you know, pull the defense away without Brandon Ingram out there, you're likely to get a less efficient McCollum like you've seen. I don't think it continues to be 43.9% inefficient, but it is likely to be down from where he's normally at. So uh, I think he's a good play. Clearly, uh, I do. I do think the ownership just kind of scares me considering how inefficient he's been. Yeah, there's there's something as you're looking through some of the numbers. I mean, this year has been a travesty in terms of efficiency. I'm not debating that whatsoever. 50% true shooting, 48% effective field goal percentage. Those are bottom 20th percentile type NBA players. And now you become the primary guy where defenses can key on you a little bit more. Makes all the sense in all the land that he's somebody who you could see a wider range of outcomes than most guys who you would expect to, to be the primary ball handler to do everything and would be, would be 80% owned in a spot like this. I think the main question is you look at the point guard position and he's 7,500, you'd be pivoting to like guys a little bit cheaper in Clarkson and Trey Jones. Jose Alvarado, I, I think we're both under the assumption he's going to be the fifth starter, yes? Sorry, I was pulling up CJ McCollum on Dunks and Threes. Who's the fifth? Oh, time? yeah, no, it's just CJ McCollum. Again, he's, he's, I'm looking through, I, I'm literally on that page right now for him. It, it makes me sad looking, uh, rim 50% finishing percentage at the rim, too. I mean, the, his mid range has disappeared. And I think that that's pretty much the, the main culprit because he's always been like a mid range reliant type player. And if that goes away, he's dead. Like he's, he's useless as a basketball player. Yeah. Well, because I pulled it up because people in chat are telling me I'm wrong that he's sucked this year. Like, he's very clearly sucked this year. Um, 6% finishing at the rim, 50th percent, 52nd, mid-range, 44th uh, three-point 
Like he's not been good. I'm not saying he won't ever be good again, but he's yeah. played like shit this year. It's yeah. not. I, I, I think we can also assume 47 games played 62, 26 out of the potential 72, 83, 30. Um, there's been some injury issues that have existed for him. And again, if he's lost a step, if that mid range goes away, cause again, he goes from being a 90th percentile guy in that regard to a, to an average, like dead average 52. Uh, he's just dead. He will not be a good basketball player. So I'm on board with it. He's still finding ways to be somewhat effective dishing the basketball. Hasn't been a primary scorer, probably enjoying making money, eating gumbo, living his life. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, the concern for me is that, like, you saw this. It was trending this way when he was in Portland. And then, yeah. like, he figured it out once he got to New Orleans. And I uh, actually admitted that maybe I was wrong because I thought the trade was ridiculous for the Pels. And the extension also I thought was ridiculous. But um, I thought the trade was insane. And then he came out and just actually played really well. I was like, all right, maybe I was wrong. And he isn't, you know, he didn't lose a step like it looked like in Portland. And then we're back to this year where – uh I think the second half of last season might have just it, it might have just been like a flash in the pan or like you said he's just banged up again and that's you know also a very plausible outcome but either way you know he's clearly not been that guy this year so I think the efficiency concerns are are there but he's still very clearly underpriced to be playing without Zion and without Ingram all right well we've we've exhausted our CJ McCollum discussion but I, again I I hadn't looked at him specifically uh there are some definitely concerning things that exist there uh, I think inherently I I was doing the DFS thing where you see CJ McCollum without two of the main three that you would assume uh, New Orleans would call those the, the that trio that core of players that they have he's 7500 he's at point guard where there aren't a ton of guys that I'm just like jamming in there but I will say Jose Alvarado would be the cheapy you kind of want to go to I'm under the assumption right now they've they've started him alongside CJ McCollum in a lot of these spots. I think he gets the start. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they decide to go to like the Najee Marshall. I think they go Najee. Najee. Okay. So then that's, that's probably your other option. I think it depends on, I mean, if Romeo Langford starts, wouldn't you want Alvarado? I I don't know. Maybe I mean, they they could go Alvarado. I just, based on what they've done typically with their starting lineup, I think Najee Marshall is kind of just the next guy up because like they have these guys that can play every position. And typically it's just been, Somebody's out, Trey Murphy moves into the starting lineup. Somebody else is out, Najee Marshall moves into the starting lineup. Gotcha. All right. Well, Jose Alvarado at the point guard position. We'll we'll get to him here next. Who would be your next highest known guy? Jonas Valanciunas, I'm assuming, coming off of his, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, absolute nuke that he dropped, getting minutes with no Larry Nance. Larry Nance, you're going to be paying close attention to that news. What do you think about J-Val on this slate coming off of an absolute bomb? Uh, yeah, I'm still pissed off about that because I've been <laughs> waiting for that Joval game all season. You got we get it. him at 5% owned and just the way that slate broke down, I ended up not even getting to him. Um, oh. Even on the strategy show that morning, Rinpak had been like, oh, I don't really like anybody from the Pels except Zion. I was like, I love Joval if Nance doesn't play. And then I just still ended up not getting there. So oh. still pissed off about that one. But GP um, centers, man. Yeah, It'll exactly. And it was one of those, I think it was one of the, like the Nas Reed, Thomas Bryant. Slates. It was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a hundred percent Nas and I still got to a little bit of J Val, but I can't remember who it was that ruined my life, but he did. Somebody did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean Dre with the ridiculous take Dame is bad because he needs high usage. That's stupid. What? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> well, how do you come back from that? Right. So 
uh, with Joe Val, the, you know, you saw 37 minutes last game with Nance out. If Nance is out again today, uh, I expect to see a lot of Joe Val. It does help that San Antonio is going to give essentially 48 minutes to Zach Collins and Jakob Pertl. Uh, we had seen in two previous games without Nance, you got 30 minutes in one of them from Joe Val. In the other one, you got 20. They closed with Zion at the five, but obviously you're not doing that today either. So um, I think that Joe Val is going to look better than normal anyway, even if Nance is in for a couple of reasons. One, we've seen Larry Nance play alongside him recently, more often than they were earlier in the season. With Zion out, you can actually see that happen here. I know there was a game um, previously where Zion was out where Larry Nance was really popular because people decided that he was going to play some Zion minutes. He didn't play a single minute alongside Joval, which was obvious at the time, but then he still smashed because like Joval got in foul trouble. Now I think you actually could see some Larry Nance alongside Joval just because we have seen the Pels switch it up and start running those uh, rotations a bit more. And if they're going to play alongside each other, not only is that good for Nance, it also means Joval can play more minutes. If Nance is out, those minutes for Joval should be very secure barring foul trouble because you're clearly not closing with Zion at the five uh, since he's not playing either. So uh, Joe Val, one or the other is going to look good here. Uh, you get you know increased usage without Zion as well. Um, but if Nance is out, those minutes are even more secure. Let's talk about some of the other options from this starting unit first. Uh, Trey Murphy, Herbert Jones, uh, Najee Marshall pulling some ownership right now. 25-minute projection over here at Stochastic. I think that, that all makes sense here. I've liked Trey Murphy since he came into the league. Uh, he needs he needs more usage. He only he has very low usage. I don't know. He's just, he's fine. He's a dude. He's at 47%. The shooting guard, small forward eligibility for him helps. Herbert Jones, multi-position eligibility helps. Uh, defensive stats on FanDuel, yay. Who else stands out to you from the Pelicans? I looked while you were talking, I looked up out of curiosity. Uh, Damian Lillard, 99th percentile in offensive EPM so far this that year. That seems good. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's getting the usage because he's really good, not he's really good. He's because unbelievable. He gets- I, how would people not think he's good? Yeah, uh, wild take there. But uh, anyway, <laughs> for the rest of... I think uh, for- I think what it is is Anthony Simons, I think, is really good too. So do I. So that maybe when Damian Lillard's out, there isn't as big of a drop-off, but that is because Anthony Simons confirmed good at basketball. I mean, yeah, Simons is in the 92nd percentile in offensive EPM. Uh, to put incredible. this in context, CJ McCollum is in the 78th, 79th percentile. So, call him out. Call him out. You fade your stand. You're not playing 80% CJ McCollum. Um, I mean, I still might. Like it's it's still a good price tag. But <laughs> I know. For for the rest of the team, like there's value to be had here as well. You know, you have Trey Murphy at 4,800. He should play a lot of minutes. You've gotten 219 minutes from him without Zion or Ingram. Still only 0.72 DraftKings points per minute, but uh he's cheap enough where he's gonna look decent. Herb Jones at 4,200 should play more. Uh again, not a great point per minute guy, but minutes should be there. Uh, Dyson Daniels at 3,300 should play quite a bit. Najee Marshall, like I said, I'm expecting him to start. It could be Dyson Daniels as well, um, but either of them are going to look like good values also. All right. Any, uh, I got it. We got to scrape the barrel. We got to do everything on a two gamer here. Yeah. I just stopped being able to breathe. So I had to stop talking. Oh, that's bad. I, I had like a cough, like stuck. And I was like, I'm either going to start just coughing into the mic or I need to stop talking. Don't you go dying on me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes when you're on Twitter and trolling me, I'd be okay. I just <laughs> choked and I want you to live, but I want you to feel a little pain. Yeah. Just like get scared for a second. Yeah. I want you to see God flash before your eyes. Um, Merry Christmas. 
Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, Alvarado, I didn't mention. You know, you had mentioned you think he's going to start. He certainly could. Uh, but even if he comes off the bench, you should see a bit more playing time from him. He's near minimum salary. He's actually a good point per minute guy. Uh, Trey mm-hmm. Murphy, you know, not Dyson Daniels, 0.8. Uh, Herb Jones, not a good point per minute guy. Alvarado's averaged a fantasy point per minute without Ingram or Zion this year. The more minutes he plays alongside McCollum, you know, you expect that to go down a little bit, but uh, still a pretty solid point per minute guy that's just really, really cheap. Yeah, the Alvarado thing, I think for me, it was just looking at if Romeo Langford's going to start again on the San Antonio side, maybe you just throw Alvarado or you just throw Alvarado out there from the get-go. He's been really good uh, in terms of uh, a bench roll in very, very limited minutes, but like that usage has been uh, Devontae Graham-esque. Like you basically have him uh, mid-20s, 30% in, in a spot against Phoenix there. Um, went a little bit down there lately, but... Uh, if he gets the start, there's no Zion. There's no Brandon Ingram. 3,400, I would obviously play him. Would you play Najee Marshall a lot at 3,700 if he gets the start? Would that matter to you at, a, like, at all? I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, I mean, I would give him a couple more minutes, but like, I think he's going to play a sizable role anyway, whether okay. he starts or not. All right, that's fair. Just like it's fair, going to prizepicks.com. Yes, prize picks. I don't get to talk about them very often. I don't do. This is my very first NBA strategy show of the entire season. Uh, prize picks is the jam if you're playing player props they have the most of them out of anybody in the industry and they have tons of great promotions going on for christmas yesterday you know i ended up playing you know 50 bucks or something i was just like ah well i'm going to the clippers game and whatever else i got 34 dollars in pre and free promo funds because whatever trey young scored for points up to 50 dollars, you got reimbursed back into your account so Regardless of how you did, you are getting some free money. I'm not sure what the what the offer is for today. I will pull it up as I'm talking here. But uh, they have NBA, college basketball, NFL. Uh, they have fantasy scores. You can use stochastic projections directly incorporated with that. You can go to oddshopper.com and shop different lines there. We have a prize picks tool over there that can help you out. But this is such a fun site. I can't even tell you. I've really enjoyed my time over there. Thank God for them out here in California because all the other work, if I couldn't jump in and be able to play props myself, I would be very, very furious. And this is my way to do it. You don't have to worry about juice. You don't have to worry about anything other than finding winners. It wins or it loses. It's good or it's bad. You can win up to 25X your money. Yeah, they now have six flex player props where you can 25X your money. That is fun stuff. Uh, I've seen a lot of screenshots, a lot more advertising going on for it because this site is blowing up. If you want to take advantage of all of the great offers and free stuff over there, promo code Stochastic gets you up to a $100 first match deposit bonus. Sign up over there. Just There's really nothing to lose because you can use the same great tools and content. We have the bet tool, NBA bet tool, which is just fantastic here as well. Uh, the odd shopper uh, data, you, you can use and incorporate directly into prize picks. So many great things that are that are over on this site. I, I can't even tell you. I haven't looked as much at some of the pl- uh, the player props there. I was, you know, <clears throat> I, I have my ways of getting my bets and still here from Noel, California. I think there are things for everybody to take advantage of it. But got to say, Jared Vanderbilt up to seven and a half rebounds. That's a crazy allotment. We're going to get to that game here. Uh, that's uh, he was four and a half going into the Detroit game. Those minutes were crazy, crazy high for him there. I'm looking at shorting that. I'm just uh, contemplating it. We'll see. I'm I'm curious to get your take on what the Utah rotation is going to be, but I would just simply take less than on the seven and a half. I would pair that with another play. You have to play at least two players in a lineup. You will three X your money when you automatically power play that. So check out prize picks. 
it's such a fun place to get your prop exposure if it's available in your state, like it is here in California. It's awesome. Promo code Stochastic. Get that $100 first match deposit bonus. And thank you to them for sponsorship of our lovely little NBA strategy show. Jumping over to the Washington-Utah game here, part two, the sequel of, uh, well, I mean, they didn't play previously. I'm just saying of the two game slate we have before us. You got a 229 and a half total. Utah six, six and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. But starting on the Washington side, they played great against Phoenix, absent Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, Bradley Beal, I didn't know what those minutes would necessarily look like uh, after getting back here. He, 35, he looked great. He was able to do many, many things. We're going to be waiting on that Kristaps Porzingis news. It's obviously gigantic, but starting with Bradley Beal, the stud of this Washington team, your Washington Wizards, how do you feel about him at 8,100 at shooting guard today? I think it's a good price tag. Uh, it's, you know, cheaper than you normally get him at. If Porzingis is in, I still think it's kind of just like the correct price, but it is a two-gamer, so clearly you're going to be getting there. He's pulling about 37% ownership. Uh, with Porzingis off the floor this year, Beal has played 126 minutes. He's at 1.27 DraftKings points per minute. With Porzingis on the floor... He's played 522 minutes, 1.1 DraftKings points per minute. The usage rate for Beal is just down this year, particularly when Porzingis and Kuzma are both out there. And that's by design. Um, Beal has spoken about it, you know, closer to the beginning of the season, saying that uh, he's excited to be in a situation where, like, clearly he's still going to be a relatively high usage guy. But uh, he has actual teammates that can score the ball and he can defer to. You've seen, you've seen his assist percentage come up a bit, but... It has made him a different, you know, DFS option. If he was ever $8,100 on previous Wizards teams, it would be like the, it would be an easier play than CJ McCollum is today. But um, here it's more so, I think he's correctly priced, but being correctly priced on a two gamer is still going to get you a lot of ownership. And if Porzingis is ruled out, it is a, a nice bump in usage for Bradley Beal. Yeah. I was thinking of him being the stud, but there's somebody $600 more expensive on this slate that isn't Kristaps Porzingis. And that is Kyle Kuzma. I will ask you this because this is more interesting to me than Damian Lillard because I think we can agree. You should be able to agree he's confirmed good at basketball. Is Kyle Kuzma good at basketball? I think it kind of depends on sure does. how you mean it. So I, 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 I think, think it depends he's good. on his situation. He is situationally a good basketball player. Well, yeah, and I also think he's good. It, the, the thing that happens is like, Everybody either gets treated as like they're really bad or they're really good. I think Kuzma is a good player. I don't think he's any sort of like a star, but I think he's a hell of a lot better than I thought he was on the Lakers. Yes. Like I thought he was actively bad on the Lakers and I've been very, very, very pleasantly surprised at everything that he does uh, since coming to Washington. Yeah. The reason I prompt this is that I think there's an inherent bias from what we all saw in Los Angeles. And I think one of the main changes is just a guy that he's a lot better when you don't have to go out there and say, Hey, play with the ball in your hands and do, because it, it was just such like an isolated one-on-one -on -one thing in LA. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but like he's made strides on the defensive end, especially this season. Like he's been a positive defender uh, by pretty much any metric that you look at. He's been a good rebounder, now defensive rebounder the last two years. I mean, that has been a drastic change from his time in L.A. to Washington. I think situationally, he's a basketball player you would want on your team now, which is not something that I would have said 
forever. I love these strategy shows. You can actually talk about basketball things and not have to be like, oh shit, I got to get my lineups in. Yeah. And I mean, the rebounding thing was something that really hurt me at DFS for a while because it was just like, I'm not going to start treating Kyle Kuzma like he's a, a great rebounder. And then Moses just, Malone. <laughs> right. And then he just keeps doing it. Um, yeah. And, and you have seen, like, Washington's kind of just done things to try and make him better, too. Like, they were they have him initiate the offense sometimes. They like that he can do that, but it's not like, you know, he's going to do it regularly. But as a result, you still do see decent assist numbers from him as well. Um, but, yeah, like, he's been relatively efficient. Uh, he's been great scoring at the rim this year. Uh, usage rate is is up. Like I also would have expected that he just would have a lower usage rate and Beals would be higher. But you know you've seen Beal deferring to him a little bit more. So uh, it's he he's been a lot better with Washington than I expected him to be. Yep. Let's, like when let's... when they got him from the Lakers, I, I enjoyed watching Westbrook on Washington. So like I was disappointed they were trading him anyway. But when they got Kuzma, it was kind of just like whatever. I don't think he's good. But realistically, neither is Westbrook. So you know whatever. We we got KCP and we got. Kuzma, um, you know, whatever, it's a good enough trade. I did not expect Kuzma to actually develop into somebody that's a positive. You know who'd be really good on the Lakers right now? Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> and and Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Oh my God. What an absolute <sighs> there's they're hilarious. I hate the Lakers, so that's great by me. Um, shout out Clippers. I kind of I've adopted them as like the LA team that I'll cheer for, but uh, I will never, ever, ever cheer for the Lakers. I enjoy watching this. So I'm cheering for you, Kyle Kuzma. Keep being good in all of the different ways. Let's play a little bit of devil's advocate. Let's do a Kristaps Porzingis is in and a Kristaps Porzingis is out for the people who are listening to this on podcast. Leave that five-star review. People who are listening to this after the fact on YouTube, hit that like button. But Kristaps Porzingis in, 9K. Where does he rank for you? Um, extremely high. So yeah. the... At like on DraftKings, he's center only, so that always you know drives out the opportunity cost a bit. But like you were saying earlier, there's not a ton of good centers on this slate. Joe Val is going to look really good at 6K, but on DraftKings, you can play two of them. On FanDuel, I believe Porzingis has power forward. Yeah, he has power forward eligibility, so it's a non-issue. Um, so I, I think he's going to look really good if he's in. It's a favorable matchup against Utah. He's been very good this year as well. Uh, he's averaged 1.28 DraftKings points per minute overall. He's also been playing huge minutes, and he's not coming back from an injury. This is a non-COVID illness. So if he's good to go, he should just be good to go, and he should be getting 34, 35 minutes from him. I think he's going to look really, really good if he's able to play. He is the edge of this slate if that news comes out late. Like, I want that news to come out as late as possible and have him in. Uh, for for the all intents and purposes from a DFS perspective. But if he's going to be out, you got to look at Daniel Gafford, who got that start. We finally saw the Daniel Gafford start. That brought his minutes up, which was a nice thing to see. 29 minutes at a competitive Phoenix win. Uh, helped stab DeAndre Ayton on the other side of that one. He's going to have, you know, at least a true center Walker Kessler that he's starting off with at the top. Uh, maybe they go to some smaller ball five where they can play Jared Vanderbilt and do some things. Rudy Gay getting in that rotation, absent Kelly Olenek as well. But Daniel Gafford would be pretty unavoidable too at 5K, right? Yeah, he'd look really good because, you know, like it would mean Porzingis is out. So you're losing that center spot. So now you're talking about your center being Joe Val and then, you know, one of Gafford, Pirtle or like Zach Collins in tournaments. But assuming Gafford would start again, he played 29 minutes last game, so that was really good to see. He didn't close that game, which, you know, obviously it's not a positive, but it 
does mean he could actually play even more minutes here if everything like actually went perfectly and he closed over Taj Gibson. Um, if he avoids foul trouble and he starts, I would expect him to be playing at least like 28 minutes. He's a fantasy point per minute guy. It's a good spot. I would certainly like going to Daniel Gafford here. Yeah, and also I think his backup becomes Rui Hachimura immediately instead of this Taj Gibson, whatever we just witnessed. So, I mean, yeah, so that is, somebody, that, that's, that's actually a good call. Uh, Rui being back for the first time in a long time uh, that can mess with this rotation a bit, but I think that it's likely that the Taj Gibson minutes just completely disappear. And then you probably get Rui is like, like if Porzingis is out, you probably get Rui as the backup center. And then he cuts into, you know, some of the other wing minutes as well. Yeah, if I had to guess, and again, we'll we'll be paying attention to see if there's some kind of a minutes limit. I can't imagine Rui gets anywhere close to 18, 20 minutes here in this spot right out of the gate. Wait, you don't think he gets close to 18 to 20? I'm saying I, I don't think he's going to play. Yet. No, he, I mean, he was just like banged up for a while. Yeah, but I mean, like 18 would be like, like where I would assume. Oh, 18, yeah, the same, bank, playing the back of five. I'm saying if there was an option, I'm, I, was, I was thinking out loud a little bit. Taj Gibson, I'm still going to project for like six minutes where maybe he plays like a rotation at the beginning of the second quarter, something like that. Just like some meaningless, hi, we don't want to play Rui 22 minutes, 24 minutes, his first game back kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd be pretty comfortable going like, if Porzingis is out, going like 28 Gafford, 20 Rui or something like that. But okay. like, I, I get your point. You can, you can do that with uh, Gibson. You can do it with, I do it a lot with Anthony Gill because they like him and it's just like, there's a lot of games where he just plays six random minutes. And so like whenever Washington's a very easy team, when like you get to a point when you're doing minutes projections and it's just like, if I give the, I don't know where these minutes are going to go. And if I give them to X, Y, Z player, it's going to make them look better than they should. Anthony Gill is usually my guy where I'm just like, ah, the, those are the Anthony Gill minutes. Some people know I went to Iowa state university. Some people know I played golf there. Student athlete fellow. Yeah, I, I mentioned it on the uh, show the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah. What did you say about it? That it was wild how divergent your life is from Tyrese Halliburton. I was going to talk about Monty Morris and how he brings shame to my family, but I also just want to say, let's talk about Monty Morris, you absolute dipshit. <laughs> you were in chat when I said it. Um, it I don't it, remember. It I don't remember. You make fun of me enough that I just kind of like block things out. Well, also, all blends you're together. just a... You're like a little talking parrot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk little <laughs> parrot. Um, so Monte Morris did play 36 minutes last game, which was very surprising. Uh, typically, I'm going to expect him to play around 28 to 30, um, especially if Porzingis is in, because then I think like if Porzingis is in, I think Rui has an impact on some of these. I mean, Morris isn't a wing, but the guards and wings, because if Porzingis is out, I think it's likely that you have Rui back up Gafford and then um the minutes pretty much stay the same as we saw last game for everybody else. You know, maybe a little bit less for Morris, a little bit more for Goodwin. That certainly can can happen. But if Porzingis is in, then Gafford's his backup. Rui backs up Kuzma. You probably get a few minutes from Kuzma at the three. Um, you know, so then you have everybody kind of shifting down. And I think it's likely you go back to 26, 28 minutes for, for Morris. Um, he hasn't been very good from a fantasy standpoint this year. And, you know, the more minutes you're getting from Beal and Porzingis, the more true that's going to be. He's still $5,100, though, and only getting 8% ownership. So in the context of a two-game slate, I think that's kind of interesting just because if he plays well, he could top 30 minutes. But um, his role on this team is basically to just not turn the ball over, initiate the offense, get the hell out of the way, let Beal, Porzingis, and Kuzma shoot. So not the most uh, fantasy-friendly role for him.
Denny Avdia uh, Hanukkah narrative. Oh, yeah. Good call. Let's go. 5,700. He's been good. I don't understand what to make of it. If it's just noise, if it's a blip on the radar, a lot of players can play well for stretches of basketball, but he played 36 minutes against Phoenix. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have Porzingis out there, I mean, he went from a guy who on prize picks. Yeah. Shout out our sponsor again. He had a 20 fantasy score projection that changed to 28. When you got Porzingis out, I'm not sure what to make of like that change in rates, but it surely changes his minutes. My goodness. Uh, Denny Avdia. I can't call him good at basketball. I, I, I refuse to do that now, but I feel like at 5,700, another guy that if you don't have Porzingis, I might nuke because I don't think the field will get to him enough. So he's one that I think gets hurt by Rui being back. Um, Interesting. The, okay. The big, you've gotten these games where Avdia plays huge minutes when like Beal and Rui were out or last game where Porzingis and Rui were out. Um, he played 36 minutes last game. The thing that concerns me is that Jordan Goodwin played 11 and a half minutes in that game. Corey Kispert played 18. Will Barton played 17 and a half. That's three guys that very, very, very easily could just play more minutes. Now, again, Jordan Goodwin, if he plays more minutes first, he's probably taking those from Monte Morris and not from Avdia. But if Porzingis is in, um, again, you know, Rui, I think, is playing minutes at the four, and that's going to take minutes from Avdia. If Porzingis is out, you could still see those minutes from Avdia, but there is still that chance that Anthony Gill or Taj Gibson do get some minutes um, or that, you know, Barton plays more, Kispert plays more. So I still wouldn't be going to that 36-minute projection on Avdia like I was when Rui was out, but I still think that if Porzingis is out, it's a bump for Avdia because there is more production to go around and there are more minutes. I just still wouldn't go to 36. Any priorities on this team with Porzingis in? Uh, Porzingis, Kuzma, Beal. And who would you prioritize with Porzingis out? Gafford, Kuzma, Beal. All right, guys. Hit that like button here as we go to the last team of the night, the Utah Jazz. Laurie Markkinen, holy mother of Christ, has he been good the last couple games? Uh, I don't know what to say about that. He's been good pretty much all season long. I would like to get out of Cleveland. I get that they're a very good basketball team, but I don't want to live in Cleveland as an NBA player. I can't imagine Salt Lake City is a huge upgrade, but he seems like say, the I'm kind of guy sure who would I'd, like it. I'd least like to live. Well, I'm just saying, Utah, it's beautiful. I don't know. It seems to be getting a bad rap. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, picking Cleveland over, over Salt Lake City, you are a crazy person. I don't understand. Maybe he's just upset bars close at a normal time in Utah. Maybe. I was going to say, I mean, that's that's the thing. That's how I view it. Like, yeah, Utah is obviously <laughs> really nice, but I have no You're idea. You're the right person to ask about this. Right. Like, I have no idea what nightlife's like in Salt Lake City. I've never been. I have no idea what it's like in Cleveland. I assume in Cleveland it's similar to Baltimore, which is not great. Um, it's just like, you know, a smaller city. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, th think of it in those terms. Like, if I were a 20-something-year-old NBA player, like, I do not give a shit what the mountains look like. I want somewhere where the oh. bar is open till 4 a.m. and I – can just go get bottle service whenever I want. Um, so I like, I wouldn't have really you ever close. seen, have you ever seen a Mormon church get done with church? Like the girls walk out of the, I've Mormon never church. seen a Mormon church. Actually, I have seen a more, there's a Mormon church. Like Buddy. It, there's one in Maryland where one of the main like highways it's off to the side. And I'm pretty sure everybody that grew up in Maryland thought it was Disney world until they were like 10, because that's what it looks like is like the castle, but I've never seen like them get out. I will never be Mormon because the Joseph Smith, the, the, there's just a lot of crazy people. Book of Mormon's fantastic on Broadway. But I will say, if I was an impressionable 23-year-old NBA player, I would not be upset living in Utah. But 
you're like you, I wouldn't you, be upset. I wouldn't be upset living anywhere. But when your alternatives are like L.A., Miami, New Orleans, like actual cities with nightlight, Atlanta, like yeah. I don't, I don't want Salt Lake City, and I don't want Cleveland. It's probably true. I'm spoiled out here in L.A. I kind of forget. Like I can do whatever. We could do anything on any given day of the week anywhere. Right. Like, like that's what I would want. I mean, that's what I want anyway. But that's what I would want if I were an NBA player. Um, what I, I, I feel anyway. like Cleveland and Salt Lake City are probably very similar to where I live, where um, I can do whatever I want within reason as long as it's done by midnight. Like, <laughs> is Lurie Market in a good DFS option today? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's a good DFS option pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, he came through for me uh, really nicely the other day. He's still 8,300 here. He's been about a 1.2 fantasy point per minute guy, even in the games that Mike Conley has played this year. You're getting a lot of minutes from him as well. Should play 34 plus if this game's competitive. Uh, you got 36 last game and he lost two and a half minutes to garbage time. Uh, so I think he still looks good. He is getting 52 and a half percent ownership. So that makes sense. Conley's getting some ownership. Clarkson getting some ownership. Both of those are fine as well. Conley hasn't been very good, but uh, 5,300. I do think it's interesting that Conley's getting 28% ownership and Morris is getting eight. I think they're very, very similar plays. Uh, whereas, you know, where I don't, I'm not confident in either one. I don't really like either one, but uh, they're, I understand why either of them would get ownership. I don't think the gap is that big between Mike Conley and Monte Morris. Uh, so that's an interesting, you know, kind of d- difference in ownership. Uh, we've seen with Kelly Olinick out, that Utah's been going with this big front court of Walker Kessler and uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if they do that here. The first game they did it was against Cleveland, where you're going up against Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. The second game they did it was against Detroit, where you have Isaiah Stewart and uh, Jalen Duran. Now you have Kyle Kuzma and either Porzingis or Gafford. I'm not sure they go with that same starting lineup. They did you know, win last game, so maybe they will, but... Also, if they do go with that starting lineup, I still think you probably see more Malik Beasley and less of Kessler alongside Vanderbilt, just because it's a really awkward matchup against Washington here, I think. Um, like, you're just going to be getting a lot of open looks for Kyle Kuzma if they play a lot of minutes with those two alongside each other. Yeah, well, I didn't even have to segue you into that. That was something I had previewed in the prize pick session and just the Jared Vanderbilt spot. Round out this entire team for us here. They're pretty unappealing compared to the other three. I think on this slate, we could probably all come to some kind of an agreement about that. But round out uh, any other interest you have in Utah pieces. Um, So having said that, I am interested that Malik Beasley at 5,200 is getting only 12% ownership. I think that that Kessler at 5,400 and 7% owned if he's starting is still an interesting play as well. You can use that as a pivot to, you know, those other centers we've talked about. I still think Vanderbilt is interesting at 5,900, but um, again, I just think there's a chance that in this particular matchup, you get more Malik Beasley and less of those guys. Colin Sexton also does make a difference here. Mostly I expect he would just take the minutes away from the kill Alexander Walker, but um, you know, maybe he could play a little bit more than that, but uh, Beasley at 12% ownership, I just think is, interesting given that i'm not positive you see the same rotations that you've seen in these last two big matchups oh wasn't it so fun being back together adam yeah it was a great time you're not being sarcastic oh toronto another city i would much rather live in than salt lake city or cleveland 
All right. Well, we're going to get the heck up out of here. Uh, I just noticed we have the NFL strategy show, matchup show coming up right now on this channel. You don't have to go anywhere. Simply click over to Lofty and Savoka. Looking forward to that one. I'm going to hang out for a little bit here because now I'm awake and I'm a live alert and wake enthusiastic. Adam, any final words for the people as we get out of here? Uh, I'll be back for the deeper dive with, I think, Rinpak. I don't know, somebody that works here um, at 6 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. That a kid. Uh, way to go. Great, great sell job there. 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, Ryan Putnayak, my dude, Rinpak, and Adam hanging out. Then I'll be on with Greg per usual, NBA Live before lock. Looking forward to it. Thank you to Tyler Zander behind the virtual glass. He's not going anywhere either. Uh, Adam, he hates Utah. I'm Eric. I think it's a lovely place. BYU girls, ridiculous. We'll see you guys later. Bye.